Here's an urgent alert from the Student Loan Hotline. The average student loan debt is $25,000. Have you been out of college for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? If you are struggling with paying off your student loan, if you are past due, we can help. Nationwide Student Loan Relief can now restructure your student loans. We can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop harassing collection calls, and even eliminate your student loan payment. If you can't afford your student loans, or if you're past due and you need help, you must call right now. We will restructure your loan or your money back, and that's a guarantee. So call the Student Loan Hotline right now. 800 Welcome, you're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. And today, we were going to have a guest, but instead it's going to be just you and yeah, me, my our, friend. a good friend of mine, Doug Greenwald, who does minor league baseball. His dad is, was a major league play-by-play announcer for many, many years. We're, we'll get him on some other time. Doug is on the road. Uh, he was covering the AAA All-Star game. His team, the Fresno Grizzlies, is playing in... Uh, Tacoma tonight, and something came up. You know, he's wearing a bunch of different hats. When you do minor league baseball, you don't do just one thing. Something came up, and so he had to attend to business. But we'll get him some other time. But you and I always have a good time together. So. We do. You mean yeah. you tell me those uh, minor league baseball announcers don't make six hundred thousand dollars a year? <laughs> yeah. Now he was telling me about the traveling. You know, they do believe it or not, AAA they do travel by plane, but it's the the connections and the. I mean, it sounds pretty crazy. They have to play like, for instance, they. He's doing, you know, the the Fresno team, and they go up and play up in Tacoma, and then they have to go all the way down to Tulsa, for, and you know, and getting from Tacoma to Tulsa is not straight shot. There's oh, no it's com- like two so, connections. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. By the time they get there, it's like, oh man, you know. But they do they stay on the West Coast though? Mostly, most of the Pacific Coast League is based on the West Coast. You know, Salt Lake City, Colorado Springs, Tacoma, Fresno, Sacramento. Yeah. So. And where do they get those names? I guess they don't want to confuse of, with the a lot you know, of it is Giants. Uh, yeah, the, a lot of it is his, historical, like the Sacramento uh, River, River Cats. Cats. Now that's yeah. fairly new, but the Fresno Grizzlies that was apparently years and years ago. There was a team called the Fresno Grizzlies. And, and uh, who's the who are they Triple A for? Now that's a good question. They Fresno. I don't know if a lot of our listeners know this. Uh, was the Giants AAA affiliate? Now Sacramento is. Mm-hmm. Sacramento used to be the A's AAA affiliate. They moved their AAA to Nashville. I'm not sure. It's just it? like the old Federal League of the early yeah. 1900s. Yeah, that All didn't right. last too long, by the way. Only a couple of years. <laughs> That's true. A lot of players jumped to that league. There were about yeah. 15 major players that jumped to that league. Oh, well, this you is going to enough money pre World War One. That was you know way yeah. back in the day. Well, before like my the old, time. Well, the old USFL with Donald yeah, Trump. That's right. right? Donald Trump yeah. was yeah. Fa- a failure at uh, running a USFL team. That's for sure. Yeah. I wonder if uh, Steve Young is still collecting on his billion dollars. I wouldn't doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back.
This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn, year in and year out, returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies such as trustee investing and mortgage pool funds can do just that. Since 2008, clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you, too, can profit from these real estate-secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Invest in some fun this season with this deal from Paintball Tickets. With the largest network of paintball fields in North America, Paintball Tickets is committed to bringing you high-intensity fun for a fraction of the cost. With the purchase of your paintball tickets, you'll receive free admission and equipment rentals to some of the most played-at paintball parks nationwide. And by partnering up with like-minded, safety-conscious paintball fields in thriving markets across the nation, we've ensured there's always a field close to home. These tickets, which can be purchased in bulk, are designed to fit the needs of every skill level, from casual observers to weekend warriors. This adrenaline-inducing sport is perfect for birthday parties, corporate team building, or a casual outing with friends. Make the right choice for your wallet. Get in on the fastest-growing action sport with this deal from Paintball Tickets by going to sportsecon101.com and clicking on the Play Paintball button. The Lodge at Tiburon is steps from the ferry docks and nestled among Tiburon's upscale boutiques, charming cafes, and unique galleries. Dine at the award-winning Tiburon Tavern, serving innovative dishes prepared with ingredients grown in our very own gardens. Starting from $199 a night, join us at the Lodge at Tiburon and create long-lasting memories. For reservations, call 1-877-614-6068. Join us at the Lodge at Tiburon or go to lodgeattiburon.com. It has been said that everyone has a book in them. But do you have the time or the ability to write your book? Maybe you picked up some skills or had a life experience that you want to pass on in the form of a book to help others. Maybe you want to leave an autobiography for your family. Or maybe you've built a successful business and you want to share your story. At Dorrance Publishing Company, we have professional writers who can help turn your book idea into a finished manuscript quickly and affordably. A Dorrance ghostwriter can provide as much or as little help as you need to complete your book. You'll work directly with your ghostwriter to finish your book faster than you ever could on your own. It's easy to become a published author. Call Dorrance now to learn more. 800-485-6003-800-485-6003-800-485-6003. Call right now. That number is 800-485-6003. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here along with Bruce McGowan. Now, uh, at the break, we were just starting to talk, you and I, about uh, Steph Curry making uh, 40, about $40 million a, 40 year. Million a year. And, you know, how does that relate to the ticket prices? Right. And we, we've gone through this before. And it's kind of strange because I look at it and I say, well, in one, in one respect, you automatically say, oh, yeah, well, that's why ticket prices are what they are. But it's a supply and demand. Yeah. I mean, if, if the owners said, well, these or you know, whoever controls, so I'm assuming the owners of the teams control the, the seats, right? Right. And if they said, well, then that means we have to charge, you know, $100,000 a ticket. Mm-hmm. Nobody can, you know, afford that or, right. you know, very few people. And it's it's all this matrix stuff. It's, it's like an airline. Yeah. Once the airplane leaves the ground. You're not going to be able to sell that ticket anymore. That's right. That's so, right. it the only reason that the ticket prices necessarily go up 
is because, you know, oh, everybody wants to see yeah, Steph Curry, well, not so much the, how much he actually gets paid. Yeah, actually. I mean, the Warriors have, I think, about 30,000 people on a waiting list just to get an ap- application in for season tickets. So the thing is that NBA, NFL, all these pro sports leagues, they get a huge amount of money with their television contracts, yeah. but they also make a fair amount on concessions and tickets and, you know, all these different things. And, of course, local teams, uh, the, the individual teams, make a lot of their money based on how many tickets they sell. And the Warriors right now are the hot ticket. Mm-hmm. So it, it behooves the Warriors to, to – um, you know, set their prices at a high range, even though the fans may not like it. But you can't blame them. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, that's how, a high many, demand uh, on their new stadium because uh, it's basically it's going to be the new new Coliseum, basically. Right over in San Francisco, uh, San Francisco. in a couple uh, years. How many seats? What's the capacity? It's going to be about twenty twenty one thousand. And you have thirty thousand people who are in line to get to thirty thousand beyond those who already have tickets. So yeah, they, they don't so, have to worry. So if anybody drops out, they'll just pull one of those the top person from the top thirty thousand. And there. how much are the uh, season tickets? Well, I, you know that's a good question. I'm not sure what they've priced their new ones at. The old ones, let's say, if you wanted season tickets, good season tickets, not on the baseline, but say in between the baskets and maybe twenty rows from the floor, um, you're paying probably an average of. Two hundred and fifty to three hundred and fifty dollars a ticket, a ticket per game. That's pretty much what you're paying. I may I may be wrong. It may be a little off, but I may be. Yes, yeah, so that's about ten grand. Yeah, it's about ten grand a ticket. I mean, that's a okay. lot of money. It's you know the same thing with the Giants, and they do have most teams now have what's called the. Uh, I remember Mario Aliota talked about it. The flexible spending, not flexible. Yeah. What is it? Where they the the depending on the opponent, they charge yes. more. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, I I don't I don't like to see it any more than anybody else. But I have no reason to complain. I don't pay for tickets. Yeah, well, <laughs> I get to go to games for free. Don't, I haven't paid for a ticket. You know, last time I paid for a ticket was nineteen seventy five. It was fifty cents to go see a yeah a, game, a, a oh, movie. I, <laughs> I used I used to go to games when I was a teenager in the sixties at Warrior Games, and I'd go up and they'd buy them. You know, they were the games weren't sold out. They'd had seven eight thousand people. It was like two fifty yeah. for a good seat. Two dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, two dollars fifty cents, <laughs> and it was a buck to park, and it was a buck for a hot dog. You know, and, and there you go. You you brought ten bucks, and that took more. Than- of course, if you made uh, five dollars an hour, yeah, that was a lot of money yeah, back yeah, then. It was. But um, I, I guess what I'm, I'm thinking about though is okay. So let's say Oklahoma City, right? Right. Okay. Russell Westbrook makes a lot of money. Right. So do some of the other players, and even if the Warriors come to town. I wonder what their ticket prices are. Or can't, can't well, Kansas City doesn't have a, a yeah. basketball team anymore, but, right. you know, to, and baseball has a lot more seats. Sure. But you go to a, a place where um, there's just, uh, well, actually, I guess the New Orleans Pelicans, you know. Oh, yeah, because New Orleans, it's not a very rich town per no, se. No, it's not. So ticket prices there. Probably are a little more are, reasonable. Yeah. Probably a little more reasonable. And, and even if the payroll, right? The payroll I think I think with football, with the New Orleans, I'm sure the tickets are pretty, yeah. pretty pricey because it's only 10. 10 games a year, and people make that commitment, oh, I'm going to go to 10 games a year. But, you know, it's, basketball is a different story. Marketing and the way you, you know, market your team and try to get people involved, and you just have to go after a whole – it's a different, uh, you know, fan base that you're going after, obviously. But, but also just the economics. Yeah. I mean, you know, people in New Orleans, generally speaking, don't make as much as people in the yeah. Silicon Valley. That's right. And, and But, you, like I said, you can still charge probably the same amount for football because football is an event. Everybody wants to go to the football game. There's only eight regular season games a year with basketball you got 40 and with baseball you got 80 so you got more to sell okay so oklahoma is more of a college football town yeah i don't even you know? know who's 
if there is a college football team, I don't think you know there's Oklahoma City University, but that's not a big. Well, the Sooners play. They, they play in Stillwater, which uh, is I, I'm not sure how far that is from Oklahoma City. Okay. I'm not real familiar. It's one part of the country I've never but been to. Okay, but they'll get what, eighty thousand. Oh people, yeah. Right? Oh god. How much are those tickets? That's a good question. You know, again, I think they're probably pretty pricey, but not exorbitant. They're probably, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing now. I'm off the top of my head. I bet you're 50, 50 bucks. For bucks the, 50 yeah. to 100 bucks for the good seats. Yeah. But it just depends. Seat, I mean, yeah. if you go to Madison Square Garden in New York and see the Knicks, even though the Knicks aren't very good, you're going to Madison Square Garden. Garden. Yeah. And it's New York. You and know? a lot of pe- rich people a lot live of rich, in New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. they probably charge a little bit more. And, it, of course, the Warriors can charge plenty because they've won two of the last three championships, and they have, as I mentioned, 30,000 people waiting to, to buy season tickets. So you can go online and buy tickets, but you're going to pay through the nose. I saw somebody paid um, $10,000 for a, t- a baseline ticket for the for the. Uh, title one of the title games. It was a hundred thousand. Was it a hundred thousand? Are you serious? Yeah, they had it on. Ticket. Who would pay such a? <laughs> well, I guess somebody who has a hundred thousand. You know, it's disposable income for somebody. But God, who would pay that kind I, of money? I know. Even if you had it, even you if pay? you had it. No, that's yeah. the thing. Is I look and I say, listen, can you afford two hundred dollars for a cup of coffee? Yeah. yeah. Would you pay for it? No. no. Yeah, I mean, if, if I was a hardcore fan, really wanted to go to the game, and I had billions of dollars and I didn't need you know I wasn't taking it with me yeah I, I probably would buy that but that's I, still, I still I still wouldn't do it not, if I had not, billions, if I had billions of dollars really wanted to go to the game and I had a hundred thousand ticket I'd, I'd do it what the hell why not you only live once but I mean I'm just saying <laughs> I'm just saying I mean who would I mean, you'd have to be somebody who was making a lot of money to justify that a rational well and I've always wanted to go to a, you know a playoff or a world series game you've been a few of those right N- none of the world series no no, no? playoffs no. you've never been to a playoff no. or world series I, I just look at not I even a no. playoff game no I did, well of course you know football playoff uh, game NFL nope. nope never seen the 49ers play in the playoffs uh, only on TV Wow! In the comfort of my home, I always thought you'd been to some of these games. <laughs> not, not, guess, not to those. Well, no, because it's yeah, hard to get tickets. Uh, yeah, and the thing is, is, I just, I just don't want to spend that kind of money yeah. on that. Well, the thing it's is, just, here's the deal: you got to weigh how much it. money you're spending on the experience, and is it worth it? And yeah. To me, as a fan, I guess you know, I'm a fan. I'd probably do it. Maybe I'd do it. I don't know. I mean, I haven't. <laughs> Had to spend the money, so I've always gotten a, a free pass yeah. and a great. And I'm See, kinda, that's why you can't really relate. Yeah, I to can't it. relate to it. I mean, I get a parking pass, I get a, a press pass. I'm sitting in the you best get free seat food in, too. Free food. You're sitting in the best seat in the house, you know. And, but you're working. You're you know you. But sometimes I remember during those football playoffs back in the '80s, I was like on the phone constantly doing updates. Man, it was a grind. So but, how often did you get to even enjoy the game? You know, f- uh, football, not very much. Uh, when the Raiders moved back, I did more because I did sidelines for the Raiders. And doing sidelines is a, is a piece of cake job. It's a lot of fun. You come on maybe five times a quarter for a minute and a half. Minute and a half. <laughs> then you just watch the game from this. And watching the game from the sidelines with the pro team is really cool because you see things the fans don't see and the guys yeah. up in the broadcast booth don't see. You see the little conversations, the little arguments, the little you know intense. I, I was along the sidelines when Tom Brady – had the famous uh, fumble. It was tuck, a fumble, yeah, the tuck. Yeah. And I was only like 20 yards away, so I saw it right in front of me. And it was clear, clearly a fumble. I mean, the Raiders got job. Let's face it, they changed the rule, but the Raiders got job. And I'll never forget what that sideline was like after they made, uh, you know, when, yeah. they, when, the, when Walt Coleman came over to the sideline and everybody's like, oh, no. And all the fans are going, oh, yeah, yeah they're going to change it. Yeah. Of course, the Raiders still had them behind the eight ball, though. They had, all they had to do was stop them, and they didn't stop them. 
Yeah, of course, that'll take the wind out of your sails when you get a call against, like, I guess. God, you know, and that was the last game John Gruden coached, and that was the beginning of the great run of the Patriots. Somebody ought to write a book about that night because that was the the beginning of the Raiders. I mean, they went to the Super Bowl the next year, but they just – Gruden was gone, and the team went downhill shortly thereafter. And that was the beginning of the Patriots' great run, this intersection of two great teams. Yeah, very very interesting. Okay, we're going to cut to our first commercial break. We uh, uh, forgot to tell you that we were talking random sports trivia. Trivia. Here's our first trivia question. Who is the only professional athlete to play for three teams in the same city? Whoa. Yeah. So probably a New York baseball, I'm guessing. It's got to be a New York baseball when the Giants, Brooklyn three Dodgers. Three teams in the same city. Gotta it's got to be in the same city. Okay. I, I shouldn't be. I'm leaving, leaving yeah. hints now for people. Yeah, same okay. city. Okay. okay. All right. Email uh, edward at sportsecon101.com. And don't touch That's that dial. One. Yeah, we're going to be right back. Results may vary. Not a solicitation for legal services. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. They can take your property, take you to court, even put you in jail. One call to Wall and Associates and your tax problems are solved. Wall has saved clients over $150 million in the last five years. Our average client settles for about 10% of what is owed. With one call to Wall, you'll never need to talk to the IRS again. We offer free face-to-face consultations in your local area. Remember, Wall has a proven track record with a total client savings over $150 million. Call now for your free face-to-face consultation. 800-813-9940. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a Toco plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. 2313. That's 800 222 2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warren Tech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. This family is at home, but they won't be answering the door. They know that the pounding on the door is a process server from the court waiting to hand them foreclosure documents. So instead of enjoying the home they worked so hard to afford, they sit hiding in the dark. Mom, what was that? But it doesn't have to be this way. This family can save their home, but they must act fast. Call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions at 800-274-7312. If you're being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, missed a payment on your mortgage, been a victim of a predatory loan, or are upside down on your home, it's critical that you call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions now. 800-274-7312. Allied State Foreclosure Solutions has an attorney in your area that will meet and speak with you. You can stop the foreclosure. 
foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit. But you must act now. Call 800-274-7312. 800-274-7312. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. First trivia question we asked was a little tricky. Who is the only professional athlete to play for three teams in the same city? In, a, in the same league, right? Um, or maybe in the same sport. Mm, same sport? No. Different sports? Different sports. Uh, you got oh. two baseball teams and one basketball team. Got to be Dave DeBuscher, maybe? No, but it wasn't New York. Dave DeBuscher played baseball and football, or ba- basketball. Uh Gene Conley? Yes. Yeah, Gene Conley. Gene Conley. I yeah, got... he just died recently. Oh, did he really? Died uh, uh, a week and a half ago. He was 85 years old, played with the Boston Celtics, yep. with Bill Russell, and then he played with the Red Sox. And remember three teams. Oh, Boston Braves. Boston Braves. Yeah, very good. Right. Okay. He, he was a good pitcher. He was a very good pitcher, and he played actually – he played on two champ- – he, he is the only guy, I think, in pro sports that has rings – uh, World Series ring. He won with the Boston uh, Celtics. No, he he won two two rings with the Boston Celtics, and then he won a ring with the I believe the Boston Braves won a World Series title. I believe. Mm. What year would that have been? Forty five. It would have been in the mid forties. Yeah. Well, maybe, no, maybe I'm wrong. The, he plays. He played in the fifties though. No, you know I, I think yeah. I'm wrong. I think he just won the, the with the Celtics. Just I was thinking because yeah. the the Red Sox did not. Well, no. When did the, the Red Sox the, did not win one. No, nineteen eighteen and then two thousand four. Yeah. And Boston Braves won theirs way back in the twenties. So I don't yeah, know, yeah, I don't we, know. yeah. So yeah, okay. okay. All right, we'll give you credit for that. It's though. interesting. He it's won his good. rings though in a sport that he didn't play very much at all in. Yeah. And, uh, a sport that he played a lot in. He didn't <laughs> run any rings. Well, you have to be. It's, it's a team team yeah, sport. That's right, team sport. So uh, before we started the show, you were yeah. uh, starting to talk about the, the Raiders and the worth of yeah. the team as compared to some of these other teams. Yeah. Like, well, it's interesting. Like, the Raiders yeah. are moving to Las Vegas in twenty twenty. And their worth is going to be less than what the Rams are worth, who have moved to L.A., and what the Chargers are worth, because they've moved to L.A. Part of it has to do with the size of the market. Now, it's interesting. The Raiders are a much more popular team nationally than either of the Rams or the Chargers. Maybe even collectively, those two teams don't have as many fans. But that's not how you value a franchise. It's not how much... Um, you know how much uh, how many fans they have or how many tickets they sell it's the size of the market that they play in uh, Dallas for instance the Dallas Cowboys are the, yeah. the most highly valued franchise but part of the reason is is the way they've been marketed and the way you know they have a America's lot of America's team America's team yeah but you know they haven't won a title since what 1996 so go figure yeah. and you know it's interesting three of the top five valued sports franchises are soccer franchises yep. two of them are in the Spain league and one of them is in the um, uh, English league yeah because Manchester Manchester and then yeah. uh, uh, Barcelona and uh, Madrid yeah yeah how about well, that? well but you have a uh, that's more of a worldwide a worldwide thing yeah. yeah but I mean that's if, yeah. if you conclude all the pro sports because outside of soccer that there are no pro sports leagues in other countries that are really that big time that can compare with the NFL or the NBA or you know, we really, it's, I mean, think about it, Edward. We really have a unique situation here with Major League Baseball, uh, pro football, and basketball. These are huge concerns, and they're not that big. I mean, there are pro leagues in, in other sports, other in other places. But well, Europe, Europe has the basketball league. They have their basketball, but it's yeah. very small time. But the soccer is, 
Man, I mean, yeah. you go to Germany, you go to Spain, you go to England. It's crazy. It's a it's a cult over we, there. They have, uh, I mean, there's stands are about hundred thousand people, aren't there? Yeah, in some places even more. I mean, uh, in, in South America, I think in Rio de Janeiro they have a stadium there. I believe that seats one hundred and fifty thousand, and they have a motor a moat around it because if the fans riot, they want to make sure they yeah. can't climb onto the field. I wonder how much it costs for a ticket there. Yeah, that's a good question. I, if people can't afford too much no, in Rio. I don't think so. But, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. It'd be interesting to find out how teams market overseas in places like third world countries yeah. where they don't have that much money and they don't have that much. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure there are leagues that exist in places even like Cameroon that are professional, but they're probably at such a low level that the tickets are probably pretty cheap. I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. By the way, here's a good trivia question. I'm throwing at you. Sure. Who, who, um, there's a prominent – I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, yeah. There's a prominent player who plays with the Philadelphia 76ers. Big guy. He's like seven foot tall, about 270 pounds, center. And he comes from Cameroon, Cameroon yeah. which is a Western uh, African country yeah. just up the coast from Nigeria. Joel, I think his name is Joel Emblid because I saw him the other night on the ESPYs. And I'm going, where is – you know, he's got a – African accent, but which country? You know, I'm trying to yeah. figure. Is he from Nigeria? Is he from Kenya? You remember um, Manu Bol from Sudan? Manu Bol from <laughs> yeah. Sudan, and uh, who was the guy that uh, he used to talk like this? And they called him the Cookie Monster. Um, and the great, but Matumbo, Matumbo yeah, was from the Congo. Yeah, Congo. Yeah. So a lot of African countries have have uh, contributed. It's interesting. All the and we're getting off on a tangent here, but a lot of a lot of places that uh, produce athletes. And I wonder, I guess they have to kind of teach them how to play basketball. A lot of these guys... Well, you think about it. I mean, where would they get their... How would you learn how to play basketball in the Congo, for instance? Yeah. Well, there's probably there's probably a small corp of pro athletes that are from there that play the game, and they probably have their little academies or their little schools, or they have, you know, maybe organized leagues at the high school level. Who knows? be interesting to find out. I, I know. I think of the Congo. I think of... Like the Amazon. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> uh, that's the darkest part of equatorial Africa, and you yeah. think of you know the jungle. You don't think of yeah. cities with, uh, yeah, but you know, obviously there are cities. Zaire is a huge city. Oh yeah, so sure. yeah, sure. <laughs> so yeah. moving on, yeah. uh, Derek Carr he backloaded his deal to keep the Raiders together, and that's pretty Isn't cool. That, it's kind of like what uh, what Kevin Durant Kevin Durant did. Yeah. did. I think a lot. You see a lot of athletes doing that. Not a lot of them, but there's some that do this because they're forward thinking. They're thinking I'm going to get my money down the line. And my marketability is going to be higher anyway if I'm with a championship team, and it's more yeah. fun to play more with fun. a championship yeah. team. But also, uh, I don't th- in the old days, a I don't think players made enough money to be able to really do that. They were all kind of thinking for themselves. Oh yeah, in the old days, well, when we say old days, thirty, forty years ago, yeah. yeah, they were making good money, but you know, not the kind of money we were talking. Steph Curry making forty million a year. Forty million a year, and he's making probably even more than that um, on his endorsement deals. Yeah. So he's starting his own. Yeah, but foundation. look at the taxes he's got to pay. Oh, it's not worth it. I know he only gets to keep half of eighty million. <laughs> Jeez, what a rough life! It's like I don't want. I don't want to win the lottery. But you think I don't about want to pay it. Taxes. The flip side of that is he subsidizes a lot of America, which is you know a good thing. If you're making a lot of money, you should help help out so other people can make money. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway, well, that's my my social thought for the day. That's right. Well, <laughs> well, as uh, Charlie Sheen said in Wall Street, how many uh, yachts can you water ski behind? Oh yeah, that's uh, some great lines in that movie. <laughs> yeah, just, greed is good. That's my favorite <laughs> line. Greed <laughs> is good. You know, Gordon Gecko. I, I, that's right. In fact, yeah. it's funny. I just watched that movie again. It's classic. Uh, or yeah, earlier. This, yeah. It's funny how how young these guys yeah. you know, were. Did you see the new the remake of uh, the Wall Street with uh, Michael Douglas and uh, I'm trying to think of the guy. Um, 
who played the bad guy. But it's a great movie. Uh, Michael Douglas oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. actually plays. Right. Michael Douglas yeah. actually plays a more sympathetic character yeah. because he's been humble. He's been in prison. His family is broken yes, up, yes, yes, and yes. so he he falls back into his old ways. But then eventually he comes around. He rises. Ah, family's more important. Yes, me, yeah, know? yeah. Actually, I did I enjoy that. that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I remember the the bad guy is the son of. Uh, who's the guy who played Dr. Welby's assistant in Marcus Welby, MD? Good-looking guy. Oh, Brolin. Brolin. Brolin yeah. Josh, Brolin Josh Brolin is his yeah. son, yeah. who plays the the role of the, you know, the Gordon Gecko yeah. character. Yeah, Modern yeah, Day yeah, yeah. He was so good. He was good. Yeah. Just being the nasty guy. <laughs> and it, uh, Char, uh, one of the characters asked him. He goes, "How much? How much do you need to make?" And he goes, and it, "It's the classic line. Just a little more." Well, yeah, but that that comes that from comes Rockefeller, from Rockefeller. Rockefeller. But I mean, yeah. he, he said yeah. it. He goes. He didn't say quite like that, but he said something like that. And I just thought, yeah, that's part. When you make that kind of money, you start, it doesn't matter anymore. So yeah. what's the motivation? Well, it's it's just the idea of it. Yeah. I think that's it. Well, it's, it's the, it's, and it's the challenge of the deal. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's what Donald Trump loves. He yeah. loves the idea, not so much of it's making like the money. Yeah. The money's great. He wants the money. But he wants to make the best deal for himself. Yeah. And then he can kind of brag about it and think hey i won the deal you know yeah. he's finding out that that's not as easy when you're pr- you can't snap your fingers i want a deal yeah, yeah. <laughs> not with the republicans and democrats as messed up as they are yeah that's, well, a lot happen. of times like you know when, when i go shopping or whatever right. I, I i maybe i can afford stuff maybe i can't right i, I just don't want to get taken advantage of no that, that's does. the thing that that's yeah. the thing that really kind of gets in my craw so yeah. that's why i'll you know kind of do a little bit more shopping around on, don't on you think stuff. salesmen sometimes they'll get a bad rap because i mean most salespeople have to be ethical and they have to be good at what they're doing otherwise they're not going to be able to sell more because their reputation is going to be bad and i just think One it's and done <laughs> yeah i just think it's bad when i hear people rip salesmen because i think most salesmen are good at what they do and they're decent people i've worked with a lot of people in broadcast sales and they're they're wonderful people the ones that are Good and have stayed in it a long time. There are people that come and that, go. That's that are, true. You know, in broadcast sales, um, I, you have to I, all have the that, ones I've, I've yeah. dealt with have been very good. Well, they have very to nice. have that yeah. that people to people relationship yeah. because you're dealing with the people industry. But I mean, I'm sure that's true in all professions. But you know, that movie uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, yeah. with, <laughs> and Jack Lemmon and uh, and Alan Arkin and Ed Harris and Kevin Spacey, and they're all such creepy. And then Alec Baldwin comes in. And he's yeah. Look at yeah, you guys. I'm going to whip you into shape. <laughs> You're going to be out in the streets, you know? Now, of course, it. selling timeshares is a oh, little different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> long, that, that whole, that five-minute soliloquy, though, where he gets up in his brow beating yeah. those guys. You remember uh-huh. that scene? Yeah. That made Alec Baldwin's career. It really yeah. Did. He said later, he said, that was kind of like my seminal moment. I knew I had made it. And he did that all in one take. Wow. One take, yeah. Good thing he got it right. Yeah, it's a good thing he got it right, yeah. All right, we're going to cut to another commercial break. Yeah, we're having, having so much fun. It's just going fun. by fine. <laughs> I know. I can't believe it's Thursday. As we tape this show, I can't believe it's Thursday already. Jeez, where's I know, the and, and it's like, uh, you know, the day before and the day after the All-Star game, there's really not much going on, so you have to oh, kind of... Oh, I was doing my updates at my radio station yesterday, and it was like, <laughs> there was nothing to talk about outside of Sam Query upsetting, uh, you know, Andy Murray at, at yeah. Wimbledon. That was yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could just kind of... Give people a little personal update. Yeah, yeah things are going well. Kids growing up, yeah. and you know that's yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Here's <laughs> our second trivia question: Who are the only two baseball players to hit two grand slams in one game? I can tell you one of them. I don't know about the second one. Ah, okay. I know one of them because I listened to the game on the radio. I was at the beach. Then you and one of them happened before you were born. One of them happened before I was born. Yeah. I know that, but I don't know who did it. But the other one happened when I was 14, and I was listening to it on the radio at the beach. Uh, 
Yeah. Okay, you got a third person there then. Okay, well, you don't have my third person. I don't have your third one. That'll be interesting. All right, stay tuned. Sports Econ 101 will be right back. How would you like to earn over 8% per year in your investment portfolio in a conservative investment that has been considered one of the best-kept secrets in investing? At Pacific Private Money, we are actually paying over 8%. Imagine what a mutual fund of low loan-to-value mortgages would look like. Well, that is very similar to what participating in the Pacific Private Money Fund is like, because we own many loans in the fund that are actually less than 60% loan-to-value. It would be extremely difficult to find an investment that yields over 8% with this much collateral. We pay you monthly. Can you imagine earning more in one month than most banks are paying in one year? Of course you have questions about how we can deliver this. So call Pacific Private Money at 415-883-2150 and we will answer all of your questions. You can also visit us at pacificmoneyfund.com. Hi, Sports Econ 101 listeners. I'm Edward Brown. You know me as the host of the show, but you may not know that I work with individuals getting them the least expensive term life insurance policies around. Don't be fooled by the ads you hear on TV and radio. It's always best to work with someone who's completely independent. That's where I come in. If you email me at edward at sportsecon101.com your name, your age, and how much insurance you want, I'll run the numbers through my software program and let you know the least expensive policy around from among many of the top insurance companies. Again, I'm totally independent, so email edward at sportsecon101.com for your free life insurance quote today. Why pay more for life insurance than you need to? I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. Attention to anyone that's written a book or wants to write a book. The process is not that complicated. Take a first step. Even if you write a page a day, you'll build momentum and your book will become a reality. The hard part is getting it published. That's when you need to call Page Publishing. They've got hundreds and hundreds of thank yous from different new authors just like you. They make the process of publishing your new book and getting it sold online a simple process. You can learn how simple it is right now by calling for your free page publishing new author submission kit one quick three-minute phone call that's all it takes to get free information and learn how you can get your book published pick up your phone right now and call us 24 hours a day at this number 800-603-0885 that's 800-603-0885 Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Okay, so we have a trivia question here where Bruce thinks he knows one of the answers, but that's definitely not one that I have. Well, so here's a, here's the question. question: Who are the only, according to this, who are the only two baseball players to hit two grand slams in one game? Well, one guy I know who did it because I remember this. It made it made his made him famous. He actually was the pitching coach for the Yankees during. Uh, 
some great years with the Yankees, uh, late 90s, early aughts, uh, Tony Cloninger. And Tony actually hit, hit two home runs, two Grand Slam home runs, at Candlestick Park when he was with the Braves huh. in 1966. And I remember because I remember listening to it on the radio, and Russ Hodges and Lon Simmons were the Giants announcers, and they were just like, whoa, two Grand Slams from a pitcher? And it was, it's always stuck oh with gosh, me. Oh, my gosh, that's right. I totally forgot. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't have that on well, here. Well, maybe they just didn't, you know. Oh, boy, these rascals. You don't think that's a, that's a good answer, though, because, I mean, that's a tricky answer. Because how, if you ask somebody, well, there was a pitcher who hit two grand slams in a game, how many people would know who it was? Yeah, but I, know? I remember Tony Cloninger, yeah. It's interesting. You talked to Tony Cloninger about that day. And I think he had five home runs in his career, but he hit two that day. They were both, both grand, grand slams. slams. But, of course, against the Giants. Against of the Giants. They won that game like 17-3 to three or something. Okay, so one of these, see, I knew that the Tony Cloninger was not going to be in this one because right. you said you were 14 at the right. time, and I know you were born in the 50s. Right. Okay, so one of them happened in 1999, uh-huh. Nomar Garcia-Para. Oh, yeah, Okay, yeah, And the other that. one was in 1936 by Tony Lazeri. Tony Lazeri, who is a Bay Area native. We are doing this show in the Bay Area. And I actually got to know Tony Lazeri, oh. and i got to tell you a quick story. Tony Lazeri was really good friends with Joe DiMaggio, and Joe DiMaggio late in life in the 1980s and 90s, used to come to selected A's games and sit in the back of the press box. And nobody would bother him. Nobody would. Ask, none of the media, they knew better than to talk to him because he was just there to enjoy himself. He'd actually worked with the... Joe had actually worked with the, uh, the A's in their, as a batting coach uh, their first year. So he had a good relationship with the Haas family. And I, one time I just was bursting with curiosity. I heard he was aloof and wouldn't do interviews. So I heard Tony Lazeri was kind of his go-to guy. And I went up to Tony Lazeri, who was a crusty guy from Martinez. And I said, Mr. Lazeri, I, I hate to, I'd love to do an interview with you too, but yeah. is there any chance that Joe might be able to do an interview? And he goes, let me talk to him. And he went up to Joe to imagine, this is like 1990, about a year or two before. Uh-huh. Joe died in the late 90s, so he was, yeah. you know, he was coming out to the game still. And Tony goes, he, he, he goes up and talks to DiMaggio and I'm standing about maybe 30 feet away and Tony looks at me like this and he goes like this and Joe DiMaggio goes like this okay. with his finger you, the audience can't see me but he's crooking <laughs> yeah. his finger like come on over here <laughs> sit down and he was as cool as a cucumber and he was great so he was probably 75 he was about 75 at the time oh, yeah. and uh, it, it was funny because Tony before we started the interview said Joe will answer any baseball questions and Joe's going like this you know, nodding his head he says one topic you know to avoid, right? Marilyn you don't Monroe. have to. You don't have to ask me. And I, I thought to myself, I better know this. It's Marilyn Monroe. Monroe yeah. Don't mention Marilyn Monroe. He didn't want to talk about Marilyn because that that really broke his heart when she died. I mean, he was deeply in love with her, and for twenty five years he would put a uh, uh, vial of roses on her crypt in Hollywood um, every year. Once mm-hmm. a year, he did that. Actually, I'm sorry, once a month he had it delivered, and sometimes he'd be there in person. He was very deeply in love. Matter of fact, they, they had a great relationship as friends, but Marilyn, of course, had no ability or desire to be to be a uh, wife. They lived over in my little town where I live now called Fairfax, and when they moved there, it was a very uh, they lived there very briefly because Joe had friends in the Italian uh, community, and there was a lot of Italians living there, and they had this beautiful little home just down the street from where I live. But Marilyn hated it because it was so far removed from all her hoi polloi of Hollywood friends that mm-hmm. she that kind of precipitated their breakup. Joe wanted the little housewife, and Marilyn Monroe was not a little housewife. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Yeah. I mean, no, no offense to uh, to her or him, but I never thought she was anything. Well, you know, you she know? had. You think about it. She was a good-looking gal. I mean, she was uh, but, okay. but but she, she had not great looking. She had well, it's she all has, you know. She had the zunico, zunico yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all beauty to a certain degree is all subjective, True. but she had a quality 
uh, a, chari- yeah. a charismatic quality. And if you see some of her movies, you can see it come out of her. She wasn't a great actress, but she was mm-hmm. good. She was good at emoting a certain type of sensual, yeah, uh, she definitely feminine, had sensuality, yeah, role. Yeah. And, and not that many women. I remember as a little kid, I was just absolutely enthralled with her because she was at her peak when I was a little boy. And yeah. I remember when she died, it was like, oh my God, Marilyn Monroe is dead. This yeah. goddess, how could it happen? Yeah. You know, but she was only 36 and took the overdose of sleeping. Very unhappy woman. If yeah. you read about her background, I mean, she lived in a ghastly succession of foster homes. She had relationships with older men who kind of took mm-hmm. advantage of her. And, you know, Joe DiMaggio was one of the first guys who actually treated her real nicely. She also was involved with the playwright Arthur Miller, oh, yeah. who took good care of her, too. But she just, by that time, she was too far gone. Yeah, and the drugs and the bad. pills and, you know, needing all the attention. See, for had me, her. it was uh, Raquel Welch. No, Raquel Welsh had a certain quality, too. She actually looks pretty good still. She does. She's, she's in her 70s. Of, yeah. She's definitely had some work, well, but that's okay. But, you know, she's, yeah. a, I mean, a good-looking woman is going to stay good-looking unless they just let them. Dissolve. The one that, I hate to get off on a tangent about this, but, you know, it's really sad. Who's my age? Um, uh, what the heck's her name now? I'm, uh, Catherine, oh, she was in uh, Body Heat with William Hurt. Oh, you know the one I'm talking yeah, about, yeah, Kathleen yeah. Turner. Turner, yeah, yeah. She yeah. looks terrible, oh, the poor right, thing, yeah. and she hasn't had any major problems. She just time has not been uh, friendly to her. But she was an amazingly was, well put together, yeah. you know, gorgeous, uh, charismatic woman in her well, younger strange. Days. You look at Carrie Fisher when she does. Yeah, but <laughs> she had some drug problems, yeah. major drug problems, which is sad. That's you know, drugs will dissipation will you know. That'll do you in. Yeah, it'll do you in. From Speaking the ins- of drugs, yeah. I've got this thing. Uh, yeah, this yeah. is uh, actually from a Sports Illustrated uh, back in May. <laughs> okay. But we just never got around to it. So uh, as it stands now, lo- lo- this is again uh, back in May, Lance right. Armstrong uh, facing civil charges that he defrauded the federal government by unjustly profiting from a sponsorship agreement with the U.S. Post Office Ooh. while using performance-enhancing drugs. So he could be ordered to pay more than $100 million. Jeez. Yeah. I wonder if he's got that kind of money. Uh, that's a good question. So the government's case is, is not about whether Armstrong doped, but that if, he, if that doping constituted contractual fraud. Interesting. Right? It says the, the False Claims Act makes it unlawful for contractors to knowingly deceive the government and attempts to deter such fraud through stiff penalties. I can't think of an act of an athlete who is more reviled now who had, who has fallen so far than Lance Armstrong in terms of his uh, profile in, in the court of public opinion. People just do not like the guy and apparently he's not a very nice man. That's kind of what I've heard yeah. and I, I you know I guess part of it is the denying of doing it denying of doing it pushing yeah. people under the bus who oh, accused yeah. him of doing yeah, it. Yeah, he did that. He pulled a lot of guys down that had also done drugs that he had introduced to drugs apparently. This is what I hear. Again, I don't know this all the details on it, but uh, it's too bad. I mean, you know, uh, Pro athletes are people. They have their foibles and their shortcomings. We all do. But it's when it's a high-level, prominent athlete such as Lance Armstrong who falls from grace like that, it's kind of sad. It really is. Yeah. But, you know, it's you can see it, it happen, you, though. You can see it happening. Though. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's too, we've talked about this before. It's too tempting to do the cheating. Uh, you know, what do they say? It's always better better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. Yeah. So they, they cheat. They make their millions. And then it's like, oh, okay, oops, sorry. Yeah. And then, well, Barry Bonds, for instance, you know, I like Barry Bonds because I got to know him pretty well, and he's a complex individual. I'm not saying that we're buddies, and I think he's a wonderful person because I think, but you know, he felt I, he wanted to to be the record holder. It was an egotistical thing with him, and he and he got it. 
but it's tainted, and he'll never he'll never escape the sin of that. And even twenty, thirty years from now, when the, all the writers and broadcasters are all people that ne- that won't have seen him play, there'll still be that scent. It's kind of like you know uh, who's the guy from the Chicago White Sox, uh, shoeless Joe Jackson, oh, took yeah. the money. He didn't throw. He did, he played a great World Series, by the way. He hit three sixty in the World Series, but he took the money. You are tainted forever. You are forever tainted. You are here's dirty. the funny thing. I mean, I know he was supposed to be illiterate and all right, that. Right. So here's a guy theoretically who gets paid to throw the World Series ten thousand dollars, which was a lot, of, a lot of money. A lot of money. What did he do contributing wise? Didn't do anything. But you know what he did? He kept his mouth shut. He could have gone to his manager, to the commissioner, and that's what they wanted him to do. That's why he was kicked out of baseball. Not because he threw any games. He didn't. Uh, he, he he made some great plays. He had the only home run for the White Sox. He had three sixty, but he did not tell anybody about it, and he took the money. No, no, but what, weren't those guys paid to throw the game? Yes. Not just paid to keep their mouth shut. Oh, of course they were paid to throw games, so, but there was only like four or five that really did. There were two pitchers: yeah. the shortstop Swede Reisberg, the second baseman. I'm sorry, the shortstop Swede Reisberg and the first baseman Chick Gandel, yeah. and two pitchers. Basically, were the there were eight guys that knew about it, and then there was also a guy who played in the outfield. Uh, can't remember his name. Happy Felsch. Okay, so if I'm the guy who's paying these guys to right. throw the game, and they didn't get all, they all, most of them didn't get paid. Only two of them got paid their full amount. Eddie Seacott, the starting pitcher, and Joe Jackson. The rest of them got little bits and pieces, and they got kicked but, out of the okay, game forever. So why, why would Joe Jack? If I'm the bad guy right. and I'm making these payments, why would I pay Joe Jackson when he didn't? When he, I mean, he hit 360 is not throwing well, they, the game they, for me. They paid it. He wouldn't do it unless they paid him in advance. And Seacott also. Seacott, both those guys were smart enough to say, if I'm going to take the chance, I want my money now. The other guys. So so Joe Jackson got paid up front? He got paid up front. And he still didn't do it? He didn't do it. And they didn't get pissed at him because they lost anyway. If they had won, now they may have come after him. But they didn't win. So, you know, that's, that begs the question. If they had won, <laughs> okay. he wouldn't have gotten kicked out of baseball. He would have gotten his money, but would they have come after him? Yeah. So if they... I'm just wondering. It would be very interesting to be a fly on the wall during this time. As they win, because they didn't lose all the games. They right. Had, they they had won used, three and they lost five. Yeah, and they, which yeah. is the reason why they stopped paying uh, players after the fourth right. game, basically. Right. Um, I'm wondering, if I'm the bad guy and I'm making, you know, assuming it's the, it's the mob, right? And it, was, it wasn't actually the mob, though. Okay, but let's look okay, who, Low level. Who are the bad, low level bad. Okay. Yeah. If I'm the bad guy and I'm watching Joe Jackson and, and I, I paid him up front and I'm watching him like hit a home run right. or have a good game, aren't I going to go up to him the next day somehow and say, well, Joe, the, what are you doing? The, thing was, the thing was, though, that the, the White Sox were trailing two games to none. They never, I think they actually got within a game a couple times, but they never, it was never to the point where it became a problem. Unless they thought, man, this guy's really smart because he's not making it look obvious. Because some of the guys, they actually did some stuff that made it look well, obvious. Well, yeah, and, and interestingly enough, they stopped paying some of the guys after four games. So everybody, most of them, there were two different groups that were, by the way, two competing groups that were paying uh, the athletes. And the athletes got together and said, we're not taking any any more of your money and we're not going to throw the games. But one pitcher, Lefty Williams, was threatened. His wife was threatened. If you do not lose the game today... Something can happen to her. So the critical game was the was the eighth game. In those days, it was a best of eight. So you had to win five, and it was four games to three. And the White Sox had been down four to one. They got back with them four to three. Williams was scheduled to pitch, and he wasn't going to throw the game. And they came up to this gambler came up to him in the, in the lobby in Cincinnati, and he says, 
You know, you got to lose the game today. If you don't, your wife gets it. Yeah, how do they do best of eight? What happens if it's four to four? Well, then they play, you know, one more, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> er- yeah. Ergo, the best er- of nine. Best of nine. Yeah, yeah, there we go. I mean, I'm that's... sorry. It is best of nine. So no, my but, math uh, was off. No, but I mean, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, best it really wasn't nine. best yeah. of best yeah. of It's of like best eight. of seven is, yeah. you, know, you win you gotta, four, gotta, best of eight, you got to have an odd number. Yeah, best of eight, you'd win five, yeah. So, yeah. Or best of nine, yeah. Best of nine, yeah. Because yeah. I, I remember they, they that wasn't the only time that they had a best of nine. No, they had like, I think it was three, uh, three or four, four years yeah, yeah. At, that, at that time. All right, we're going to go to our last trivia question here. Who are the, who, excuse me, who were the first three major league players to become members of the 500 Home Run Club? Are you a business first owner three. or an individual who owes the IRS? Oh, then be okay. prepared to write well, down an Hank important Aaron phone number. No. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? Do you and need to file y- back yes, tax returns? Yes, you will have heard of all these players. Oh, yeah. Do you know every player? Uh, I know one of them. It's time to well, deal you know, with your IRS policy. I know all Certified Tax Tax Representation Inc. represents clients. I mean, I don't know if they're the first They will contact the IRS on your behalf right back with some closing And the answer Immediately. It's time for you to face your IRS problems. Think about how great you're going to feel when you're represented by a company who's an advocate for you, who knows the law, who also will contact the IRS the same day you become a client. Call today for your free, no obligation consultation. Call now, 1 800 999 1064. That's 1 800 999 1064. Not all cases are typical and some may not qualify. The consultation is free and so is the call, so call right now. 1 800 999 1064. That's 1 800 999 1064. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? But you don't know what to do next. Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have 5000 10000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. 
Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Third and final trivia question. Who were the first three major league players to become members of the 500 Home Run Club? I'm guessing one of them was Babe Ruth. He was number one. And then I'm going to guess, I'll just throw out two names, Jimmy Fox and Millot. Yes, you got them in order. Oh, yeah. Very good. Well, Jimmy Fox started in the 20s. Millot was pretty much... uh, Starting in the 20s also, or late teens. So, yeah. No, no, not teens. He was in the 20s. Millot. Well, and then he became Giant Manager, and they actually skippered the Giants to a World Series championship, and I believe it was 1932, maybe? He 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 won actually three pennants with the Giants as... Oh, no, I'm, I'm no, no, taking no. that back. Bill Terry. Bill Terry did, yeah. But, you know, interesting thing about Millot, Millot became Giant Manager later in the 40s, and the team sucked. Yeah. And they fired him shortly thereafter. Well, because he, he hit the home run, uh, his fifth... Ho- he, I remember he, he ended with 5'11". 5'11". Willie Mays broke his record yeah. at Candlestick Park. I was there for that game. Oh, were you? Here's another little interesting trivia item about, about uh, Mill Ott. When the Giants were really you know, not very good and they were in last place, somebody asked Leo DeRocher, who was managing Brooklyn at the time, which was playing really well, he says, uh, have you ever thought about being a nicer guy, Leo? He goes, nice guys! Nice guys finished last, like that guy. There's a nice guy right over there, Millot. <laughs> Look where he is sitting. Oh, is that right? That's, is that's, where, the, that's he, where the line comes from. He was the nice guy who finished last. Oh, that's funny. Because yeah, yeah. you always hear nice guys finish last. And the sad thing about Millot, that quick end of the story, he was killed in an auto wreck. Uh-huh. Not immediately. They, he died of a oh. – he was like in the hospital for like, five months or like something. Billy Martin. Yeah. Okay, uh, thoughts for the day. Leo DeRocher yeah. said – uh, you don't save a pitcher for tomorrow. Tomorrow it may rain. That's right. That's smart. Very and good. Tommy Lasorda said, the difference between the impossible and the possible lies in a man's determination. I like that. I like that, too. Yeah. Tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective. We're also going to be asking some more sports trivia questions. And uh, hopefully we'll have uh, our guest who was supposed to show up today. Maybe he'll show up next week. There you go. And if he doesn't, we'll get somebody else. And if not, it'll be mono mono again. <laughs> All right. Thanks. And we'll talk more about Millot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host, Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. So long.